Michael Kearney was a child prodigy. He graduated high school at six years old. Michael Kearney graduated high school at six years old. He's actually in the Guinness Book of World Records for the youngest person to graduate from college, age 10, graduated from college. At 14, he obtained his master's degree in biochemistry. At 18, another master's degree in computer science. And we look at that and we say, wow, that's amazing. Those accomplishments are incredible. And, uh, you know, we're just normal people. We graduate around 18 and uh, maybe, maybe college at 22. But this Michael Kearney guy grew up just so fast intellectually. And you might be wondering, you know, like, what, what did he do with this gift that he had been given? Did he, like, master string theory in physics? I mean, Sheldon would be so proud if you're a Big Bang uh, enthusiast, you know. Did, is he working for NASA right now? Or maybe he's a professor at MIT. Like, what, what is Michael Kearney doing now? Well, he went on to appear on some game shows, won over a million dollars. He's 39 currently and an improv actor in Nashville, Tennessee. He's an actor, an entertainer. Now, some of you might be, like, really disappointed with that, you know? Like, we expect him to be an educator or, or, or doing something, like, really, really amazing, not an entertainer, an improv actor in Nashville, Tennessee. Some of us might think, oh, good for you, Michael. You know, you, you're doing what you love. You know, you, this is what you want to do. I'm going to be honest with you. I don't really care what Michael Kearney does for, with his life. What I care about is you. What are you doing with your life? Are you growing up? spiritually. Because I want you to grow up in the grace and knowledge of our Lord. I want you to be spiritually mature. I don't want to have to come to you and, and bring up 1 Corinthians 3, which I have on the screen for you right now. Paul wrote to this church and said this, brothers, I could not address you as spiritual people, but as people of the flesh. You are infants in Christ. I fed you with milk, not solid food. You were not ready for it, and even now, you're still not ready. I mean, that is pretty harsh, isn't it? I mean, he's slamming them. You're, you're a bunch of babies. Grow up in the Lord. I don't want to be that pastor that has a church full, to, full of spiritual babies. You know, I don't want to, as it says in Hebrews 5, keep on teaching you the, the basics, which is like feeding you a bottle. That's not what I want to do up here. I want to give you meat so you can chew on it and you can grow up. So you can be teachers and mentors. And you can discern the will of God on your own. That's what I want. Growing up takes time. I doubt anyone here is a spiritual prodigy. I, I think it takes work. I think that when you are working hard at growing up, you are going to see progress. You know, I, I always like to say, you know, my spiritual life is like the Michigan roads. We're always under construction. <laughs> Sound about right? Yeah. yeah. So our title for today is, is Step 3. We're growing up. Um, that's, uh, we're in this series called Next Steps. Just five messages on the next steps. What's your next step with God? Have you thought about that lately? What, what, what step do you need to take next to grow closer to God? to understand the Bible, to love one another. You know, we already talked, step one, what's the gospel? Like, what's the real gospel, the genuine gospel? 
Um, what's my story? Helping me understand my story. Step two um, was God's church last week. You know, why would you want to go join God's church? And now today, step three is about you growing up, about you being spiritually mature. You might have heard it differently. You might have heard of spiritual formation. You might have heard of sanctification, which is holiness. Um, but I'm calling it spiritual maturity, or just simply growing up. And uh, I think the best definition for this is found from Scripture, in Scripture. Paul wrote to the church in Galatia, and he said these words. Galatians 4.19. Called them, my little children. My little children. He said, for whom I am again in the anguish of childbirth. That's not a good thing. But then he says, until Christ is formed in you. I just want to leave that up on the screen for right now. Until Christ is formed in you. Moms, you understand the pain of childbirth, don't you? Yes. Would you ever want to go through that pain again for the same child? No. Nobody in their right mind would want to go through that same pain for the same child. Once is enough. But here Paul is saying, I'm willing to do it again until Christ is formed in you. And he's saying that because these Galatians, these Christians in this city were not growing up. They were going back to their old religion, the law. They were Jewish people and they were going back to the law and trying to obey the law to make God happy. And he's encouraging them, no, don't do that. The pure gospel is in Christ alone. Until Christ is formed in you. Is Christ formed in you? When people look at you, do they see Jesus? I mean, how does a Christian grow up into this image of Christ? Can you do it on your own? No, you can't. I mean, you can faithfully you know, do the spiritual disciplines. You can have all the holy habits. <laughs> But that alone will not form Christ in you. The only way is for you to be transformed. Transformed by God. God does his part in you, but you do have a part as well. These two, these two things happening, you doing your part, God doing his part, is, is probably best explained in my favorite two verses in the Bible. Some of you know my favorite two verses in the Bible. I've talked about them many times. Romans 12, verses 1 and 2. Romans 12, 1 and 2 says that I appeal to you, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice. That's holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to the pattern of the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And then you'll know the will of God. You'll be able to test and discern the will of God. The ESV says, and his, good, his will is good, it's pleasing, and it's perfect. The will of God. So this process of transformation that God wants you to have, to grow up, is both active and passive. You're active when you renew your mind, when you engage in holy habits. What are those holy habits I'm talking about? Well, you soak in God's Word. You read God's Word. You meditate on God's Word. You soak in it like a 
beautiful bubble bath. You soak in it. You pray. You fast. You worship. You serve. You share your story. You give. All of these things are holy habits, spiritual disciplines. That's our part. That's what we do. Mostly, we renew our mind. But God then has to do his part, and that's the passive part. That's the part where we simply present our bodies to him. We surrender. And God changes us from the inside out. Part of surrendering, I think, is to disengage from the world, the ways of the world. You engage in holy habits and you disengage from the ways of the world. And John has a way of describing that. He calls it the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. And you don't want to be a part of those things. So you renew your mind with these truths, and you apply those truths to your life, and then God transforms you. My simple math equation, being a former math teacher, I like simple equations. Information plus application equals transformation. If you want to be transformed, you've got to have some information from the Word of God, and then you've got to apply it, and then Christ is formed in you. But we also see something great in verse 2. In verse 2, Romans 12, 2, the answer to life's biggest question, I think, for Christians, what's God's will for my life? You ever asked that question before? What is God's plan for my life? What is God's will? Just by a show of hands, how many of you have ever asked that question before? Many of us. Almost all of us. And you should ask that question. I, I'd, I'd be shocked if you didn't. But here's the answer. First and foremost, when Christ is formed in you, Christ is formed in you. That is the first, most important thing for God's will. But when Christ is formed in you, then you can discern. That's what it says. Then you can discern God's good and pleasing and perfect will. The word discern in the verse Romans 12, 2 is this word from the Greek dokimazo, which means to be genuine, to know the genuine thing, to know the difference between the genuine thing and the fake thing, to know what God's plan is for you versus what the devil's plan is for you. Think about that for a minute. I want you to, would, want you to look at this example with me, that God had a plan for his son Jesus. God had a plan for his son Jesus, and that plan was to save the world. Not in a superhero kind of way. Like, Jesus is going to save the world. That's God's plan for him. He came for that purpose, to redeem us. I, I just love the fact that we went through the book of Exodus, because Exodus is, you know, the first redemption, but really was a shadow of the things to come. Everything pointed to Christ. Everything we see in the book of Exodus pointed to Jesus, the mercy seat. And so we have redemption. That was God's plan. But I'm going to be honest, and you probably would say the same thing, that wouldn't be our plan for our son, to go through that pain. That wouldn't be our plan. That's a painful way of going. We like to avoid pain in life, do we not? Yeah. Well, the devil had a plan for Jesus. He tempted him with this plan. His plan was, hey Jesus, you can rule the world. You can have all of this. With one little caveat. Worship me. Of course, Jesus rejected that plan. But think about that for a moment. If your goal 
in life. And boy, Americans really need to hear this. Because we live in this land of, of opportunity. And we, we are told from, from, from childhood, you can have anything. You can be anything. But if your goal in life is to have all this world has to offer, you're following the devil's plan. Think about that. In the, pastor, in the words of Pastor Vody, you can say amen or you can say ouch. What's God's plan for your life? Well, first of all, it's to grow up, to be transformed, and then to know how to discern his will for the rest of your life. And I'm here to tell you that this morning, I, I believe growing up takes work. It takes a lot of work because there's a battle going on within every one of us. It's the battle of the flesh versus the spirit. Read Romans 8 later on. You'll see what I'm talking about. Read Romans 7. You'll see the, the struggle that we all have. Your flesh wants what it wants. In fact, I would call that your embodied will, as you'll hear about in a little bit. You have weeds growing in your heart. And you've got to stop mowing them low and thinking they're going to go away. You need to dig up the roots. If you don't dig up the roots and replace them with truths, you won't grow up. And that takes work. But you can do it. You have this wonderful example in Jesus when it was crunch time, when the final hour was near, when faced with the decision to be tortured and killed, Jesus said these wonderful words to our Father in heaven. He said in Luke twenty-two forty-two, 42, Father, if you're willing, Remove this cup from me, but nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Jesus was willing to do God's will. Why? Because his embodied will was the same as his Father's will. Good, pleasing, and perfect. There was a guy that wrote extensively on spiritual formation. His name was Dallas Willard. Dallas Willard wrote about the embodied will, the reflective will, the impulsive will, and I want to share with you a little bit about them because I think it involves our transformation. I hope that uh, these terms will help you understand how you are transformed and the examples that, that I give you. Your embodied will, that which is deep down inside your heart. Now, he uses three terms just really simul I mean, interchangeably. We, we use, sometimes you hear somebody say, well, Will, spirit, heart. Dallas Willard says, these are just all the same words. We're just using different words. It means the same thing. What's deep down inside of us, our heart, our will, our spirit, those are words that, that we use. You with me? You tracking? Okay. So that's your true self. What comes out of your heart, your will, your spirit, that's who you are. And that's your embodied will. That's your embodied will. By the way, there's a common saying today that's not very wise, and that saying is, follow your heart. You've heard people say it. You may have said it to your own children. But according to God, following your heart is not very smart. He tells us, in fact, he told Jeremiah in Jeremiah 17.9, he reads these words, we, we can see these words, the heart is deceitful above all things 
desperately sick. Who can understand it? That's not sounding very good about our hearts, is it? And then in Mark 7, verses 20 and 21, Jesus says this about our heart, what comes out of a person is what defiles him. For from within, out of the heart of a man, come evil thoughts and sexual immorality and theft and murder and adultery and so on. So, can we all agree that following your heart, (laughs) that's really not a good idea. Not at all. So parents, please help your children understand this. I know you want them to be happy, but following their heart will not get them there. Following Jesus will. Amen? Yeah. They need a new heart, and they can have it when they follow Jesus. Ezekiel tells us this. Prophesy what would happen eventually. Ezekiel 36, 26, I will give you a new heart, a new spirit I will put within you. I can remove the heart of stone from your flesh. I'll give you a heart of flesh, a tender heart. This is, of course, referring to the Holy Spirit that came at Pentecost, and we can read that in Acts chapter 2. And the Holy Spirit dwells in a Christian when they are born again. The Holy Spirit is what makes it possible for us to be transformed into the image of Jesus. You remember that verse I've been trying to get you to memorize for a while now, 2 Corinthians 3.18, that we all with unveiled glory, you know it? But we all with unveiled face, I should say, we behold the glory of the Lord and we are being transformed in the same image, the image of Jesus. And what does it say? That for this comes from the Lord who is the Holy Spirit. Yes. That's our goal. From one degree of glory to another. We are being transformed into his image. That doesn't happen automatically, though, does it? I mean, you didn't become a Christian and all of a sudden, like, poof, you are transformed. And you're just like this this spiritual giant. No, that doesn't happen, does it? No, it's a process that takes time. But it's a process of which we engage in holy habits, spiritual disciplines, and we renew our mind, and then we are transformed. But let me just kind of break it down even further for you using Dallas Willard's terms here and help you understand that you have an embodied will that is not good when we're, when, uh, because of our sinful nature. It's because of our impulsive will. We all begin life with an impulsive will. This, this will is, is attracted to things, moves towards them, and takes them. When a baby sees a toy, they crawl over to it and they take it. Do they not? Yeah, when a child sees a cookie, they walk over and they take it. They don't think anything about it, right? They're not thinking a moment on the lips, forever on the hips. They're not thinking about that. That just came out of nowhere. I don't even know where that came from. Sorry. When a teen sees clothes or shoes and they need them desperately, they want to take them, but they know mom and dad has to pay for them first. When an adult sees what they like, they finance it, then they take it. When you smell good food, your impulsive will kicks in, you want it, you take it. When you see someone attractive, your impulsive will is there wanting you to take it. And here's the dangerous part, the scary part. 
the impulsive will becomes the embodied will as a child. So here you are growing up. You're an adult now, and you're, you're matured, and you have this impulsive will that has become your embodied will, and it causes problems, does it not, in your life? When you think that, oh, I can just have that. I can take that. And then you realize, oh my gosh, I shouldn't have done it. I shouldn't have done that. I shouldn't have said that. I should have, I'm in trouble now. And this is where the reflective will comes in. That you begin to reflect on your, your choices, your actions, your decisions that you've made. In fact, you've, you've kind of been um, um, learning about the reflective will if you've had good parents. I'll say it that way. If you've had parents that, that do practice um, good discipline and they parent you, then they, they help you understand that you can't just eat a whole plate of cookies. You're going to get sick to your stomach. you got to learn to share. You know, parents, we teach our kids these things. You know, enjoy the shoes you have, son. You don't need 20 pairs. You know? Save up your money so when you want that big ticket item, you don't have to be a slave to the lender. You know, we teach these things. We help reflect on our actions and we help develop a reflective will. And the reflective will sees what comes out of our heart, decides on a better response. It looks upon our actions and it, it, it perhaps hears a voice in our head. A lot of times it's the voice of our parents. But we hear a voice in our head and, and we hear, do this instead. Do this differently next time. And if you do reflect on what you do and you practice a better response, eventually the transformation happens. Your reflective will becomes your embodied will. You follow me on that? That's transformation. But you can see maybe, you might be thinking, this is where things could go terribly wrong. Because as you reflect and you listen to the voice in your head, what if it isn't from God? That's where it can go badly. As a teenager, my hormones, I'll just speak of me, energized my impulsive will whenever I saw a pretty girl. You get what I'm getting at. So I wanted her. I pursued her. And each time I pursued a girl and I reflected on how it went, there was a voice in my head that I was listening to. But the voice was from Hollywood. Because I watched movies and television. And what I learned from them was that the goal in a relationship is sex. But that's not what the goal in a relationship is, according to God's word. But I listened to that voice, and I was transformed into a very manipulative person that wanted to get what, the, what I wanted. And I can only thank God that he redeemed me, and he saved me from that wretched life, and that I'm forgiven by the blood of Jesus, and there is now no condemnation in him. And the same goes for you. The voice in my head is now the voice of God. It's the key to godly transformation. To grow up spiritually, the reflective will must be the renewing of your mind with God's word. Then things can go very well for us.
in terms of transformation. You can have an embodied will like Jesus. George Barna is an expert when it comes to the religious pulse of America. He, he does surveys. He, he knows what people are thinking, what people are doing. I found this to be very much on the lines of what we're talking about here. He defined a disciple, by the way, a disciple of Jesus, as someone who lives like Jesus because they think like Jesus. Sounds like what I'm talking about. Well, how do you think like Jesus? This is what he said. To think like Jesus consistently, you need a biblical worldview. What is that? Well, it's the intellectual, emotional, and spiritual filter that enables you to consistently and confidently make the decisions Jesus would make. You know the bracelet, WWJD. What would Jesus do? Well, you've got to have a biblical worldview. You've got to read the Bible, renew your mind with God's word, so you know. And he's saying what I'm saying today, you can't have a biblical worldview unless you renew your mind and be transformed. And get this, Barna reports, less than 1% of adolescents and teens are on track to have a biblical worldview in America. Less than 1% of our young people are going to have a biblical worldview as adults. Now, I could be very pessimistic, but I'm not. I'm an optimist, and I'm choosing to focus on that less than 1%. And I'm willing, as a pastor, and I'm sure you are too, to help our young people grow up in the Lord and have a biblical worldview. That's why we teach the Bible here, verse by verse, and we go through it. Wednesdays, Tuesdays, Sundays. We want you to grow up and follow Jesus. And the best way that we can help our young people is to lead by example. And I pray you'll join me. We may not be like Michael Kearney, who can grow up quickly intellectually. We're not all spiritual prodigies. But we can grow up. It's active. It's passive. We do our part. We renew our mind with God's word. He transforms us. Changes us from the inside out. I don't know what path you're on right now. I don't know where you're at in your walk with God. But I pray you're on the path. I pray you're walking with him. And if you got off somehow, and you came to the church today, and you're like, I'm getting back. I'm coming back. Amen. I'm glad. I'm glad you're here. Get back on the path. Keep walking with him. It's a process. He will change you. But you've got to keep renewing your mind. You've got to keep on with the holy habits. You've got to keep surrounding yourself with good people. Show me your friends. I'll show you your future. These are some good people here. These are some good friends here. Amen? Amen. Let's hang out together. Let's grow together. That's my prayer for you. That's my hope for you. Grow up in the Lord, and you will learn to discern his will for your life. And there's no greater life than that. That's the abundant life Jesus is talking about. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word today. Thank you for your love and your patience with us. Thank you for saving us. Thank you for saving a wretch like me. For I was broken, and you put me back together. Father, I surrender all to you, as many of us would like to do that today and right now. That, Lord, you know our hearts. You know what's going on, and I'm thankful that you give us a 
a new heart. Thankful you give us your spirit dwelling in us. As we cry out to you today, Lord, as we worship you, may you change us to be more like your son. It's in his name I pray. Amen.